You're listening to a podcast brought to you by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins, combining market sector thought leadership, advice, and ideas, helping businesses and governments prepare for the future. Welcome to Trowers and Hamlins Public Sector Podcast. My name is Amadeep Gill, and I'm the firm's national head of public sector. The public sector team at Trowers have been undertaking a deep dive into public sector service delivery models during the course of the last two years, led jointly by Lucy Doran and Scott Dawling. This has included undertaking research into various delivery models, hosting roundtables with sector experts, issuing a shared services toolkit, and a report on publicly owned companies, often known as tech out companies in the sector. And it is the tech model that we intend to dive into in a little bit more detail during this podcast. And in order to do so, I'm delighted that I'm joined today by Pete Chapman, Director of Corporate Tax at KPMG, and Jan Britton, Managing Director, and Frank Wilson, Executive Director of Finance, both from Publica, a highly successful jointly owned tech company. Now, Publica is a not-for-profit tackle company owned by Cotswold, Forest of Dean, West Oxfordshire District and Cheltenham Borough Councils. The four shareholder councils and Publica work together to share skills and resources, which enables them to partner to deliver more for local communities, residents and businesses. Publica is a young organisation and since its inception a few years ago has transformed the way that services are delivered by the councils through a unique partnership approach. Each of the shareholder councils and a client organisation retain their independence and identity, and by collaborating and sharing resources, the parties seek to maximise mutual benefit for all. Publica is on an ambitious journey of continuous improvement, always looking for new ways to effectively deliver local services. Both Pete and I acted on behalf of the councils in order to establish Publica, and we have been delighted to see how the companies continue to set standards in the sector, and we know this deep dive will provide some real invaluable insights to those on similar journeys. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Pete to start the questioning. Over to you, Pete. Thanks. Thanks, Amadeep. So hopefully a nice, easy one to start with, uh, both of you, Frank Jan. Um, so for those who might not know, can you just explain a little bit about what is Publica? Yes, as Amadeep has already said, Publica is a tech company owned by and providing services for four councils, West Oxfordshire, Cotswold, Forest Dean District Councils and Cheltenham Borough Council. Three of those councils take a full range of services from us. So we provide we provide the sort of things that most people would think of as the office-based services of a local authority. So we provide planning services, environmental health, housing, revenues and benefits, finance, democratic services. We also provide election teams for the councils as well. So we're providing a full range of services for those district councils. Uh, Cheltenham take a, a reduced range of predominantly back office services from us. Um, Pete and I were fortunate enough to be on the journey um, when it was initiated quite a few years ago now. But can you explain how the concept for Publica came about? Uh, I'll take that one, Amadeep, uh, given you, kind of my history. I mean, the roots uh, of Publica are quite deep, really, and um, started really back in probably about 2008, 2009, when two of the partner councils, Cotswold and West Oxfordshire, started sharing a chief executive and then doing more more general sharing of management teams, sharing of services in a kind of a, a supporting sort of way. Um, I mean, about 2012, 
a shared service for finance and HR was kicked off, which was except um, a section one hundred one partnership uh, with the four partners involved in implementation of a, an ERP system uh, and um, a, a full shared service for financing. That was called Go Shared Services. And about the same time, um, a tackle was set up by Cotswold and Cheltenham for waste services. Um, and that's Ubico. That's still going strong as well. Now has actually 10 partners, I believe. Um, so the routes between the shared services, um, the soft sharing and the tackle were kind of drawn together through a joint committee in around about 2015. And the next step of that was set up a tackle to deliver all the service for the councils. So that's kind of the, the backstory to Publica starting, um, which uh, you guys assisted us with back along in 2017. And so we actually launched um, with the transfer of circa 650 staff in, um, in November uh, 2017. So when you were looking at that right at the outset, what were the initial key objectives that you wanted to achieve from Publica? So I guess, you know, one of the key objectives, this was driven by um, the councils wanting to reduce costs, so sharing the specialist resources, not see a diminution in the service levels, but seeing a reduction in, in, in the cost. And a, a business case was built by uh, what's called the 2020 Vision uh, given significant government funding to transform local services um, and that did quite a bit of work um, pre-publica and publica was the final segment of that and, and that set out some pretty clear financial imperative to deliver uh, lower cost services but without a reduction in service quality uh, for the partner councils so um, you know, put that in perspective by the end of March 2023, we anticipated that we'd have taken out just short of £2 million um, of cost out of the services for the partner council. So that's in the first five five years. And that equates to, you know, something in the order of 10% cost, cost reduction with no impact on uh, service quality. That's great to hear. Um... Now, a lot of the people that we've engaged with as part of our campaign have talked about how that transition process can be quite unsettling when you're setting something up new. There can be barriers that need to be overcome. Uh, how did that transition process work, not only for one authority, but for four authorities with very different or potentially different ways of making decisions. Can you share a bit more detail about the processes you put in place um, during that transition period? Feels like I should answer this one as well, because Jan wasn't with us at the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there were some big, big change management issues, obviously, um, transferring, you know, 600 plus staff from a local authority employment into a Tackle company um, really did cause a good deal of nervousness. You, you know, even for the like of me, thirty odd years local government background at that at that stage, moving into into a kind of a albeit wholly owned company, a company undoubtedly caused a great deal of nervousness. So that was a good deal of work with working with staff, uh, working with councillors. Um, working with the unions 
to kind of make sure that we covered off all those concerns. And I've got to say, the unions were really, really supportive through this whole process. Um, we worked really closely with Unison and GMB, who were the two unions we recognised, um, to make sure that they were fully engaged, fully on board, so that they could engage with staff. Now, I'm not saying that everything went swimmingly, because we had issues like, like everyone would have, but um, they were really supportive in that regard. And so, you know, like any transition, it had its bumpy moments, but... You know, certainly the day everyone did cheaper transfer and uh, once we cleaned up the little errors and things that we'd no doubt made, um, you, you know, things settled down. But that's not to say that it works for everyone. You know, we've lost some people all, along the way who really did not like the transition from being a council employee to a, a council company employee, which we've kind of, we, we describe as actually should be no no different, but some people conceptually found that quite difficult. Um, but, you know, that's the nature of change, isn't it? Actually, I, I remember during the process, um, you did some really interesting stuff around getting um, consultants in to talk to your staff about the kind of benefits they wanted, the kind of employment contracts they wanted. And that was very novel at the time, actually. Um, and do you think that and other things helped you carry your people with you? Because that is as much a fundamental thing as anything. And you kind of touched on it when you talked about the work that you've done with the unions. I think success or failure is enshrined in that ability to sell the vision and then take people with you along that journey. Um, and that's just one thing that kind of crops up in my memory from that. But was there anything else that you would have done or do you remember uh, around that piece? Because I think you did it very well from recollection. Yeah, we did bring in some consultants to help us with our Clearly, one of the one of the issues with um with with our model is that we um for new starters we no no longer offer LGPS, so you know we we were looking at trying to make a broader package of benefits, um and 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 that's been something that's uh, we've been continuing to work on ever since then. I'm sure Jan will talk about that in a in a moment, but in those early days, you know, and, and one of the things that we uh, we had to do, which was really quite difficult, and certainly that change management piece and the, the broader benefits package uh, was kind of moving from the traditional local government um, pay structures to something radically quite different. That was conceptually quite difficult to do um, and and practically quite difficult to do as well, actually, um, uh, and in, involved a lot of engagement with the staff and unions. But I think we, we got there in the end. And, and it's rather interesting that um, in the early years after we'd completed that change in pay, pay structure, I think you know sometimes we left thinking, what difference did it really make? Has it made a benefit? But actually, I think we've seen in the last 12 to 18 months the flexibilities that are in that pay structure have really helped us in what is a really tight labour market. But perhaps Jan can talk a little bit more about the, the broader benefits package that came out of all that work. Yes, certainly, Frank. I mean, the pay structure that Frank's referred to, the novelty of it is that it's a parallel structure. It enables us to reward people in the traditional way as they move into management roles, but it also enables us to reward people for their professional expertise, even if they're not taking on management roles. And that's been a bugbear in local government for as long as I've worked in the sector. So we have specialists who we pay as specialists, and we're able to offer them a salary offer that reflects their professional expertise, 
without them having to take on management roles and vice versa. So that flexibility really works well for us. But picking up that theme of the things that were done when Publica was established, one of the things that was really resonating when I arrived in Publica a couple of years after the company was formed were the, the values of the organisation, which had been worked up with employees at the beginning of the company's time in a, in a real dialogue with the staff. What sort of values did they feel the organisation should have? And those values of being authentic, modern, flexible and thoughtful really resonated with employees when I arrived at Publica. And they still do. You know, people talk about those values as being different, of being a mark of what Publica is and what Publica aspires to be. So that, that, that engagement with staff early on was a real, you know, investment in the foundation of the company and... and um, has repaid itself many times over. But what we're trying to do with the overall benefits package is offer something that is comparable, not, not the same, but comparable to local government employment, but, that, but which gives us the flexibilities to be different. So we can offer a health insurance package or a health uh, cash payment package alongside more traditional benefits. And we're really trying to create something that is individually attractive rather than trying to be a shadow of, of you know, what I would describe as traditional local government uh, employment benefits packages. And, and it's often where public air, you know, consciously tries to be different, tries to reflect the market, tries to reflect what particularly perhaps younger people are looking for in employment in terms of agile working, working from home, IT provision. That the more the more we consciously try and take advantage of those differences, the more successful we often are. Um, so we, you know, we're, we're sort of quite consciously looking at what the norm is and saying, does that work for us, or is there something that might work for us better? If I could just go back to something you were saying before, Frank, you alluded to the fact there'd been sort of a, a few issues along the way, and I think yeah, having worked with Amadeep on, on a lot of these sort of tech implementations now, both from a legal perspective and Amadeep's side and a tax perspective online aware of a lot of the, the barriers and hurdles that come mm. up time and time again but it'd be really interesting to know from your perspective what were the key one or two barriers that you had to overcome as part of that transition process or as part of implementation when you got started can i jump in there peter because one of the things that was very obvious when i arrived at publica was that the organization and the councils were still working through a lot of issues about identity um, and it was very clear mm. that the councils committed to the principle of efficiency and improvement through partnership but equally committed to the individual sovereignty of each council and the individual identity of each council and there was a very strong sense when i arrived in public in 2019 that 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 balance between the two and indeed the balance between the council's identity and publica's identity was still being sort of tested out to see where that was going and a lot of the work I did in that first 12, 18 months that I was with Publica was about being clear with the councils and working with the councils to make sure that outward facing to the public, the council identity had a clear primacy. Whereas Publica's identity is an employer identity, you know, almost inward facing in that sense. And just making sure we had some clear and shared understandings around issues of identity issues of 
sovereignty and individuality, if you like, when it came to the councils, that, that was really quite important. And it seems to me that those things were current at that point in time because the first flush of public being set up had passed. Um, you know, things had begun to settle a couple of years after mm. the organisation was formed. And it was almost like these issues of identity and sovereignty were emergent at that, you know, in that in that period of settling once the organisations had reached a new position, public having having sort of got underway. And, and they were quite challenging. And I think, you know, we and the councils had to work quite hard um, to come up with answers that were in everybody's best interests to some of those questions. Can I just come in with an answer? It, it sounds as if that cultural journey piece was quite in flow at the point you joined, Jan. And do, do you think that the cultural piece was fundamental to the success that you've achieved? Because that's often what we hear, that getting the culture right is a key ingredient. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like that it was in a state of flux or there was an opportunity to mould it a little bit more, um, perhaps is a better way of describing it. Um, what what would you say about that cultural piece and, and, and what you found when you arrived and, and how it's moved on since? Yeah, I mean, the culture of working in partnership is fundamental, isn't it? If, if In a sense, if, if, if all parties, public and councils, have a culture of working together um, that, that in that in that shared space, then your prospects for success are that much greater. Um, I quite often say to people that you know, public can be for everybody's advantage, but it's quite difficult for everybody to take that advantage all at the same time because we're in a shared space. Um, my my job and a lot of Frank's job is about moving capacity around the system to meet changing needs of partners at different times. And as long as everybody goes with the flow on that and works with the grain of it, we can achieve a great deal more than if we sort of um, each want our own chunk and, 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 and don't engage in a more complex and more fruitful partnership. So culture is at the heart of it, but I don't think you just create the culture and then it merrily moves on. You know, it's not like a, a task and finish thing where that's it, we've ticked the box of culture being created. It's an exercise of constant maintenance. And every budget challenge, every new service challenge, every time the government introduces a new scheme for something, that puts another sort of um, challenge in, in, in the way of maintaining that culture. So it wasn't, I don't think, that I arrived at Publica and those things happened to be at flux at that point. I think partnership working is a, is a constant act of maintenance. It's, it works because of the culture. And the culture requires constant work itself to maintain. Um, clearly, in the role I'm in and, and Frank and others, we firmly believe that the reward of the effort, you know, the effort that goes into making the partnership work is exceeded by the return on the investment you get in the shared working and collaborative space. But it, it would be a fair reflection to say that a great deal of my job, particularly as MD of Publica, is about maintaining that partnership ethos. One aspect of culture that I've seen when working with others on similar projects is often the culture of not enough separation between the council or councils in your case and the new entity, almost still being treated as one. Has that been an issue in your as you've been going along the transition process? We we get an element of that and and it's there to be managed. But 
Publica as a tackle company is a bit different to some other tackles that have been set up essentially as investment vehicles, um, quite often in relation to housing, for example. We're, we're a direct service provider, providing those, you know, sort of um, um, almost in-house services. So we do have to manage that closeness because it's, you know, my Publica's planning officers, Publica's democratic services officers, Publica's housing officers dealing with homelessness work day in, day out with retained council officers, elected councillors and the public. So while a degree of separation is necessary for the smooth running the business, we're perhaps not in the same place that some tackle companies are. We, we have to manage the interface actively because that's how we work. We work in that space. Frank, um, on the question that Pete originally asked about transition and implementation the barriers did you have any thoughts on that before i move on no, no i think i think actually jan really touched on the biggest difficulty that we had and it was about that you know it's about that identity issue that caused us quite some issues for a period of time it, you know and some of it was really detailed stuff like you know email addresses and signs in offices things like that which you, you know not careful appear minor but really do trip you up and um, particularly in the eyes of you know elected councillors and the like so that was probably the biggest issue that we faced i think and then just moving on past that implementation period um how has the ongoing operation been working for the last few years since you kind of undertook the implementation perhaps um frank first and then yeah so um you know we're just about six years in now um We've had plenty of challenges in that time, not least, of course, COVID right in, in, in the middle of it, which did require us to do quite a lot of changes. I think I'll leave Jan to talk a bit about that challenge, actually. Um, you know, more generally, since that time, we've, you know, as I said, we've continued to work with the unions on, on, on all those aspects. We've been to not only do, obviously, we do the tuber transfer, we didn't change terms and conditions, Um collectively and that that worked well it took us quite some time but we got there in in the end and a full support from the employee base for that um and then in terms of delivering the services you know we've continued to do that um you, you know we've exceeded all the budget targets that were set for us such that i think i touched on that we'd um you know we had a target for the end of the last financial year, 1.9 million, we've actually delivered 2.9 million underlying base uh, savings for the council. So kind of summing in the order of 15 plus percent. But in addition to that, we've also handed back monies to the council so they can reinvest uh, in service provision. So we handed back another two and a half million pounds, but just one off money. So I think, you know, for that regard, it's worked well. Now, that's not to say that there aren't some elements of our service provision that haven't proved challenging, uh, you know. Planning services has been a major challenge for us, as it has been for many councils, and we've seen, and we've seen, we've, you know, we've had to talk to the councils about reinvesting additional resources in that. And the other aspect of it, I suppose, we ought to touch on is the investment that really that we've made in terms of the the ICT infrastructure, because that's been a key element of what we were set up to do. You know, the councils received significant funding uh, from government before Publica and, and part of that was then invested into Publica in terms of 
delivering ICT technical infrastructure. So we, we kind of got some real building blocks for our, our um, digital infrastructure. So one of the first things that we did was put in a common customer relationship management system and we used Salesforce to do that. And that was a big challenge, um, but is now the fruit from that is really becoming uh, ripe uh, in in some in some respects, and we're starting to see um, significant improvements in our digital in- infrastructure there. Uh, but also other things such as the Civica um, customer portal for Revs and Bens, another key element of our service. So we've now covered off kind of two thirds of our uh, our major ICT uh, infrastructure build. There's still some more to do. We've still got to look at planning services as the, the last major legacy system to, to review. And that's kind of uh, next on our list of things to do. But perhaps Jan can talk a little bit about the response to the COVID pandemic. Yeah, COVID was a major challenge for us in the way it was for every local authority. But because Publica was already on a journey to agile working, which serves us, you know, we're, we're supporting four different councils over quite a big geography. So we were really quite an agile organisation. So the transition to home working, supported by our excellent ICT team, was actually very smooth. And um, we, we achieved that very quickly. But what we were doing through the course of the COVID lockdown was moving employees um, from what you might describe as their day job into all sorts of community support roles that we'd previously never provided, working with the voluntary and community sector, food banks, working with people who are doing safe and well visits, people who are checking up on people who are um, at home alone and so on. And at one point we had something like 120, 130 staff deployed from their principal work into COVID-specific response jobs. And we set up systems and processes to do that in the three main council areas very quickly. We were getting referrals mainly from county councils um, about people who were living alone or needed medication or were short of food or whatever it might be. And we set up very quickly social services like functions to make sure that if we had a referral, no one slipped through the net, that everybody was spoken to, everybody was contacted. And and I, I think a, a council alone would have struggled to deliver even more than we did, the response that we did. And it, it proved for us a couple of things. It proved that capacity matters and resilience matters. It proved that the ICT support we've got in place was capable of more than we were at that point asking of it. And we could, you know, move to more agile homeworking arrangements that we've continued since COVID. And it also proved again that, you know, public can be very flexible and agile in meeting people to, to moving people around the system and the structure to meet changing demands and again i've learned from that and others have learned from that but you know we play to our strengths when we do that so nobody would have asked for covid and i'm not suggesting from one minute that we would have wanted it but i'm very pleased and very proud of what we achieved in response to covid and and i do keep going back to what we learned through the covid experience to try and draw from that moving forward because there were some things that we can adapt to other circumstances and 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 you know call upon going 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 forward um so you know a big challenge but an important one and the other area i'd like to mention because i'm again particularly proud of what we've been able to do 
is the work we're doing around making Publica a great place to work and um, securing investors in people accreditation. In my experience, it's very difficult when you draw a workforce from you know, four different councils and bring them together, creating that new culture we were speaking of a minute or two ago. Um, you, you end up with all of the legacy problems from bringing people from different organisations. And we've been doing a lot of work through our HR team, through Investors in People accreditation, to move beyond that so that Publica's employer identity and Publica as an employer meet our expectations of what we're trying to achieve. And I think we've made um, great progress in that area, particularly in the last uh, year or so. And I think it's, um, you know, it play, again, it plays to our strengths. We're not just seeking to be efficient. We're not just seeking to save money. We're not just a, a vehicle for employment of council staff. We want to be a top class employer in our own right. And I think we're well on that journey. Yes, I'm going to just build a little bit more on that. I mean, you just touched on that, that, that great success there and also the success through COVID in terms of serving the community. And Frank, you already touched on the fact, you know, you, you mentioned the key objectives at the start in terms of base savings that have already been exceeded quite significantly, actually. If, I guess, if each of you had to pick one key success or the main success you would say from Publica so far, what would it be? Frank, do you want to go first? Not really, no. Uh, look, I'm a finance guy. What do you think I'm going to say? You know, <laughs> okay, okay. I'll I'll jump in there. Look, I've I've mentioned how proud I am of our response to COVID, and that's got to be on the list. I've mentioned the really valuable and important work we're doing about being a great place to work and being a good employer, and that has to be on the list as well. But the one Frank referred to a moment ago is the one that often gets missed and that's the way we've approached IT investment and building IT platforms to support the change and transformation that we're trying to make across all of the services we provide. That underlying IT infrastructure and the way we've built and supported a team to, to deliver that is, is pretty unique amongst relatively small district councils in my experience couldn't have been done without the shared services and it's absolutely fundamental to almost every other success we might mention um, and it stood us in very good stead in recent years in relation to cyber security as well so often unheralded but i i would i would say that ict and our approach to it is a really fundamental strength I suppose, could I layer in one additional uh, thing just to in, into that? And that is, you know, we've had to deal with a great deal of change, not not just at once we've talked about, we've got to deal with a great deal of political change. The councils politically are quite a different makeup to the councils that agreed to form uh, Publica. Uh, and in fact, I think three of the four councils have had a change in administration. So uh, um, I think, you know, that brought with it some real challenges and um, but a great deal of learning that we took from that certainly from the, the very the very first one and i think you know subsequent to that we responded um uh, much more positively and making sure that we can uh, understand and uh, help the new council administrations understand what role we can play to help them deliver against their political priorities as as councils which obviously is what we're there for Great. Thank you very much. Both really insightful responses there. And, you know, turning that 
success story just to the biggest hurdle. What was the the most difficult part of this process um, in order to get you where you are now? That that and I we've touched on some of these already, but if you were to pick out one as really the standout hurdle that had to be overcome, which one would you opt for? I think I'd probably talk about partnership again, as I have already. Mm. Um, before my time, when Publica was being set up and, and before Publica was set up, there was a council joint committee engaged in the shared services. And when the tackle company was set up, that joint committee was replaced with the Publica company board. Now, the, the board is valuable and the ability to have independent non-executive directors has served Publica very well. Mm. But the joint committee also served well. And one of the things I think was evident when I arrived with Publica is that the absence of a joint committee of the shareholders meant that the partnership was all being funneled through Publica. So it was almost as if, and this is an exaggeration to make my point, each individual shareholder had a relationship with Publica, but the relationship between the shareholders in the absence of the joint committee was relatively weak. And I think that was causing a, quite a few issues because, in effect, we in Publica were conducting like proxy negotiations with individual shareholders rather than there being a more shared, collaborative shareholder working environment. And I think we've sought to address that by the by the creation of a new shareholder forum. I say new, we've had a shareholder forum now in place for over a year. And that has been important. Rectifying that problem has been quite important to us because it was becoming quite a significant um, disjoint between shareholders. Um, so it, it's more a learning point than a major obstacle, I think. But, um, you know, the partnership of the investors or the partnership between the partners is equally important to their partnership with the provider entity, whether it be a tech or company or anything else. Frank, any additional points? No, I think that I think that is absolutely absolutely bang on. We, 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 after I think three years it was, we had um, a governance review and there were several things that were, were picked up and that was kind of part part of of that really was that you know, we hadn't adequately replaced, so we had a kind of a mechanism that was a bit hit and miss, and formalising that, as Jan's described, was critical to kind of moving us to the next level. And I think, actually, we found that was incredibly useful from our perspective. And maybe it's even more useful from our perspective than it is from the, from the councils, actually. And just to be able to sit around uh, in a meeting, talking openly with, council leaders and chief executives uh, around some of the challenges and the strategic direction of the company, absolutely critical. And it was a big miss, actually, as Jan described, when the joint committee um, stepped down. Um, and I think that's really, really helped us refocus move, moving forward. Out of interest, who undertook that governance review? Uh, Campbell Tickle. Ah, yeah, external consultant. Yeah. Thanks. Just there's a, so obviously, as you're aware, there's a lot of local authorities that have been through the, the tech or setup process, as you have, possibly with different objectives. You mentioned that, I alluded to that earlier, Jan. But lots of others are starting that process or thinking about that now. So if you could put yourself in their shoes, if you hadn't been through this already, <laughs> what advice would you give to people who are sort of starting that process now? 
I think if I was starting the process for a sort of service provision tackle uh, in the in the image of publica, I I would I would bring forward that discussion about relationship and identity because it really was quite important and it was it was a it was a fairly significant impediment to progress at the time I joined uh, publica, and I think you know it, it also goes to the heart of motivation what are you expecting that this tech or company will provide um and if the answer is save money then i think it's almost like you've gone into the middle order without dealing with some of the other questions about what that relationship is going to be and it's, it's clear from my experience having joined publica later that the organization it was set up very quickly it was set up out face and, and benefited from that so not a bad thing but I think maybe in the pace to set publica up at the time, um, some of those conversations that came later about identity, about role, about sovereignty of council, you know, they came after the company was formed. Um, and it may, in my view, it would have been better had those been addressed somewhat earlier in the process to share an expectation of what was to be done. Thank you. What about from your perspective, Frank? Well, other than the obvious of getting the appropriate advice from professional experts, um, and, you know, in, in terms of making sure you set it up safely, um, you know, I think you need to think long and hard about, you know, I kind of touched on what Jan said about the roles and responsibilities of the of the various parties, because you know we've got a role and responsibility in, in delivering. Um, and the councils have got roles and res responsibilities. And if you're not really clear on that, that does cause issues down the line. You know, I, I mean, in, in many respects, certainly for three of the councils, we I don't, we call us a super tackle because we do virtually everything. Uh, and, you know, there's got to be a question mark about where, you, where you're drawing the lines. And you know, I think we've always said, if we were to look for another partner, would they join in the image of the three the three councils and probably not is the answer but you know what would that look like and that's fine as long as you go into it with an you know with, with open eyes and um but you've also got to think about um a lot of heavy heavy reliance placed upon individual relationships um and people people change and move on i'm now the remaining exec director on public from when it was first set up um and a lot of the other senior roles in the councils have changed and that just means you, you've got to make sure those relationships you've got to make sure the systems and processes and governance uh, it supports a longer term perspective Ryan just relying upon individual personal relationships because that's all fine until someone leaves um, and, and and then someone comes in and says oh what's it done like that for well you, you, you know you've got to have some you know and as Jan said, we did this at pace, and there's probably some elements of that that we left undone. And the governance review highlighted some of those. There's other things that we continue to work on. And would you do anything differently now, Jan, Frank? On based on what you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, as they say. Um, anything that perhaps you wouldn't have done that you did do, or perhaps um, you would have liked to have undone before it happened, in, Jan, in your case, before you arrived. I think it would be easy for me to sit here and say I wish a whole raft of things had been produced or done prior to my arrival at Publica or that a whole raft of things that had been done had been done uh, differently. But if you look at the fact that 
you know, we've delivered a 2.9 million recurring revenue saving for the councils without any significant adverse impact on service delivery and that we're now talking about being able to deliver at least a couple of million pounds more over the next two or three years of further revenue savings, I think it, it almost feels a bit churlish to start picking on the details and saying, well, that could have been better or this could have been better. Um, it was done at pace. It was done with the intention of delivery. And I think the evidence is that Publica has delivered. And, and to be honest, if another 12 months had been spent dotting I's and crossing T's before the company went live, would it have made much appreciable difference? Quite probably not. You know, I think I think there's a lot of details you could reflect on and say maybe this, maybe that. But actually, I think a pretty good job was done setting the thing up at speed and delivering the results. Great. So I think from, from my perspective, I think we probably should have spent more time working with backbench councillors. Um, you know, so whilst we work with, with leaders in setting it up and the respective executive structures, cabinets typically, um, the uh, working with backbench councillors more than we did. We did what we we could, and not always that easy to engage in dry subjects such as setting up a tech or company. But even you know, even the scale of we we did. But I think if we'd have spent more time on that, that might have helped in those early years. But then you spend more time on that, you spend less time on on the other things that were actually critical to get done. I mean, we were charged with getting it live by, and I remember having a very d- difficult discussion with the board, is getting it live by 1st of October, I think it, it was, and pretty early doors, I said, I don't think we'll be able to do to do that, and got pretty hard pushback from the board. But to be fair, we only slipped it a month, um, you know, and you can only do a certain amount um, in that period of time, and I, you know. But member engagement, I would have done more of if I'd have had the time. Yes, I would agree with that, Frank. I think that's a fair point, that particularly that backbench member engagement is never, you know, that's that's a good investment in the longer term. So having had five years or a little bit more than five years now experience from, from the inside of a tech art company, how do you view what others are doing now, what the local authorities are doing in the market where, where they're setting up their own tech holes? I think we're going back into a period under the pressure of, budget reductions where local government is going to start talking again about novel or different delivery mechanisms delivery vehicles Um, and tackle is just that isn't it it's a delivery mechanism there are other options but the big benefit that i get from the tackle model is that engagement with the non-exec directors the independent non-exec directors on the board and having come from a local government background myself those independent non-exec directors, they're, they're the biggest challenge I get to think differently. They're, they're the people who say to me, well, that's the local government answer, Mr. Britton. What, what else could you do? What are the alternatives? Think outside the, the box. And, and for me, you know, ranking the advantages of tech as a model, as a delivery option, the engagement of the non, independent non-exec directors on the board is in you know, pole position for me because that's what gives you the drive to capitalise on the advantage of being different. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, Frank, did you have any final thoughts? No, no. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it, council's got to make the decisions. It's, it's horses for courses, really. It, it, you know, they've got to decide what their objective, objectives are, because that will drive any 
you know, any company structure moving forward, what type of solution do they, do they need? You know, we've not we've not gone into any sort of trading. We don't trade. We work mm. just for the for for our councils. Um, but clearly, you know, we have a bit of headroom if we wanted to do. But our focus being on delivery for our councils. And you know, each council, each company will have to take their own views upon what their objectives are. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you, Frank. On behalf of Trouds and Hamlins and KPMG, it's been a really insightful and candid conversation. And I'm sure that those listening will find your insights invaluable as they undertake their own journeys. So on behalf of Trouds, on behalf of KPMG, thank you for listening to this public sector podcast. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trouds and Hamlins. Find us at Trouds.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trouds or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.